Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia. Hello, friends. Welcome to Chickenlandia and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. I am your host, the president of Chickenlandia. I'm a backyard chicken educator here in the lovely Pacific Northwest, and it is my passion to talk about all the peace and joy you can find by keeping backyard chickens. That's just what I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Today is episode seven of season four. I did take a little break. I, you know, it was the holidays, very hectic. I've got kids. Um, so I took a little break. It was very nice, but I'm happy to be back. And guess what? It is very close to the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm not talking about next Christmas. <laughs> I'm talking about baby chick season. It is almost baby chick season. In fact, some people might say it's it is baby chick season, but really like late February, that's when we really start to get into it. So I'm just wondering like how many of you guys have started looking at the different breeds already and you're you're scrolling through the hatchery websites or maybe you've called your farm store to find out when they're getting chicks. Uh, I can totally relate with that. It is super exciting. I am going to get some new chickens this year. And I, you know, I usually wait for chickens to come to me um, because I take in rescues whenever I can. But I have too many roosters and I need to get some hens or my chickens are going to get stressed out. So I've got this situation going on. So I am getting new chicks this year. And I can't lie. I'm pretty excited about it. like, ooh, I have an excuse. So if this spring is the first time you're going to get chickens, that is very exciting. And I'm definitely here to help you with that. But even if you're just like expanding your flock and you're thinking about what kind of chickens you want to add, I think this podcast is going to be fun for you. And I'm super glad that you're here with me today. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break here because you know what, guys? It's a new year and I still got to pay those chicken bills. (laughs) Still still have to. These chickens are holding me hostage. They're going to, they're going to revolt. Okay. If I don't pay, if I don't get them their feed, they're going to (laughs) revolt. So as always, I want to let you guys know that this podcast was brought to you by the folks at my favorite chicken. My favorite chicken is my favorite online shop to get my chicken feed. I get my non-GMO organic socially responsible scratch and peck feed there. That's my favorite feed. Um, Lots of chicken supplies, 
uh, fun chicken stuff, chicken treats. Uh, you can find it all at myfavoritechicken.com, and I'm going to leave that link for you in the show notes. This podcast was also brought to you by Small Pet Select. Small Pet Select is a small local company to me, but they have an online store that I absolutely love, and I know you guys will love it too. Um, I had just got some new products from them. I, I got some pine pellets from them, which I use to deal with mud in my chicken yard. And I do have a video about that. I will leave that in the description. So I realized that they have some pine pellets. So I'm trying that out right now. Um, of course, I have my pet greens, uh, which I've been using, especially in the winter. It's just like this little pouch that you can grow sprouts in. You can grow like fodder out of this little pouch and give it to your chickens. And it's just so good. And what's the other thing? I, I'm gonna, I got like this little house, like this little castle that they sell. <laughs> I know my chickens are bougie. Okay. <laughs> they have like this little castle and I, it was originally for rabbits, but they realized that like, you know, this is, I, I think chickens are going to like this too. So they sent me one. So pretty soon I'm going to be putting that together and putting it, you know, my silkies and my frizzles will like that because they don't roost. They sleep on the floor and that's a whole nother thing. But anyway, they've got some really fun stuff. And um, there's a coupon. I'll leave a coupon for you in the show notes. And if you have other little fuzzy animals like rabbits or chinchillas, they've got uh, tons of fun stuff for them too. So, all right, there's that. All right, uh, today, you know, usually I answer a listener question. I really wanted to get, you know, I really wanted to talk about just starting a new flock for this podcast. And I didn't really have a listener question that matched with this today. So, um, but I normally do. And if you want to submit a question to Bok Talk, all you have to do is go to welcometochickenlandia.com, go to the contact section and click ask a chicken question. And while you're there, you should join my mailing list. It's called Chickenlandia Nation, and if you do that, I will send you a discount to my online course, which is called Chickenlandia's Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. It is a super fun and interactive course. It's a great way to get access to me and access to my co-instructor, the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. Um, I'm really proud of it, so... There's that. You should definitely check that out. Okay, so I want to get right into the content today, and I'm going to do that by asking you guys a very important question. You can ask yourself this, you know, in the in the middle of the night when you're like mindlessly scrolling through the baby chick pictures on the, on the hatchery website. Ask yourself this. Ask yourself, what kind of chicken person am I? And that is answering that question is going to be very good for you, especially if this is your first flock. Uh, you need to ask yourself, like, okay, how, why am I getting chickens? What it, what is what is the goal here? Do do I want to get more eggs? Do I want to have an egg business? Do I want to like give eggs to my neighbors, or maybe just your family consumes a lot of eggs? You want to have those fresh eggs. Um, and you're really looking forward to that in the morning. So that's like your main why of doing this. But then there's there's others that, you know, the kind of chicken person they are is they really want them as pets. Um, and they want a chicken to hang out on their lap and, <laughs> and cuddle with them all day, and which is totally valid. Okay, that is valid. I'm 100% 
pro lap chicken in Chickenlandia. Okay. <laughs> That's my position. Um, and you can be a little bit of both, but though you want to ask yourself that question because um, when you're building your flock or when you're adding to your flock, you really want to go in the right direction concerning what kind of chickens you want to get. So uh, if you're main, and we're, I'm just going to break all this down. It's going to be very easy. If your main goal is eggs, if that's really what you want the most, there is no denying that standard layer hens, which are the most popular chickens, you're going to be able to find them very easily. That is what you want to focus on. Um, standard layer breeds have been bred to lay more eggs and be less broody. Okay. And what broody means is that is the instinct that a chicken has to sit down, hatch out, and raise baby chicks. Okay, that's what that means. So when a chicken goes broody, she wants to sit on eggs. You know, she'll sit on them for 21 days, hatch them out, and then she'll raise these baby chicks. And during that time, she's not laying eggs, obviously, because she's busy being a mom. So a lot of people are like, well, I don't want that trait in my chickens because I want more eggs. And, you know, here's this time when they're just like sitting in the nest box and they're not laying eggs. So if that is something that you want, you would lean more towards bantam breeds, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and bantams are basically miniature chickens, okay? And in general, they've been bred more for temperament and beauty than their laying ability. Now, that, doesn't, that does not mean that standard chickens can't be fun and cuddly, especially if you raise them from baby chicks, they can be very cuddly and sweet, okay? And many are. I have some that are super cuddly and sweet. Um, but in general, the focus for them when they are being bred is to get them to lay as many eggs as possible. And this is standard layer breeds because there's other there's other other kinds of standard breeds that aren't as good layers. Um, there's like fancy breeds and stuff. And uh, of course, there's meat chickens. Um, but layer breeds have been bred to lay as many eggs as possible so that your family can have a steady supply of good protein. All right. So if you are looking for pets and snuggly chickens and chickens that will go broody more often and make good mothers because you want to have that experience, you want to be able to grow your flock naturally like that, then you can consider some bantam chickens. And I, I'll say, you know, I have a very mixed flock. If you've watched any of my regular YouTube channels, you'll see that I have like the island of misfit chickens. <laughs> There's like every kind of chicken. There's itty bitty tiny hens and there's big chickens and um, a lot of like light breeds, you know, that aren't aren't super big. Um but many, many different kinds of chickens. So if you get them as chicks and let's say you want, like me, okay, I want eggs, but I also want to have that fun experience of having very tame chickens. And I love funny little chickens and itty bitty chickens. Like that's my favorite. You might want to, you might not want to go with a very, um, you know, a breed that's going to be more special needs, like for your first flock, like I have a lot of Saramas. I have little funny little chickens. I've got frizzles and stuff. For your first flock, you might want to just stick with like standard layer breeds because they're going to be the easiest. But um, there is no problem having them live together. Like chickens will basically, especially if they're raised at, from babies, they don't really mind if they're different sizes. I've got all kinds of different size chickens in my flock. 
Now, I will say that if you have a standard size flock and you want to add itty bitty bantam chickens to that flock, that integration process is going to last a little bit longer because you have to be really careful. You don't want the tiny chickens to be bullied by a really big chicken. Um, and I have a video about that and I will leave that in the show notes for you so that you can learn a little bit more about integrating chickens if that's the direction you want to go to go in. Okay. So another very common question that I get asked when people are wanting to expand their flock or wanting to start with chickens for the first time is how many chickens can I have in my space? You know, how, how many chickens should I get? So if you're getting your first flock, I really recommend that the minimum of chickens that you get is four, okay? And the reason for this is that chickens are flock animals. They need to be a member of a group to feel good about things, to, be, to feel good about their life, to thrive. If a chicken is alone for too long, um, and they don't get a lot of attention. There's some chickens that like they live inside with their <laughs> with their people and they get a lot of attention and so they do okay. But if a chicken is living outside by itself, um, it can get depressed and it can actually get sick or it can die. Okay. So keeping that in mind, if you start out with four chickens and, you know, I just want to say chickens are very hardy. Uh, it is not likely that you will lose any but there are circumstances where that does happen. So I don't want to scare you, but I also want to tell you the reality is, is that sometimes a baby chick will die or sometimes a chicken will start maturing and be about to lay. And it turns out that there's something not quite right with that, with their reproductive system, and they may die at that point. So that does happen sometimes. And if it happens, I don't want you to be in a situation where you only have one chicken. Okay, so really what I say is uh, you don't, you definitely don't want to get just two chickens uh, if you can help it, unless there's like a law where you live where you can only have two chickens. Three is better than two, but def still not great. Okay, I think four chickens is the minimum place where you want to start unless there is some reason you can't do that. Okay. Um, and that way you'll have a lot of wiggle room in case something unexpected happens. If you lose one, it's not like this huge deal. Okay. And you can always grow your flock from there. Like <laughs> I know a lot of people that are like, oh, I just got 20 chickens for my first flock. And that's, that's a lot. And it takes a certain kind of personality to like, you know, deal with that. And there are people that can start out that way, but that is a, a more difficult way to start. So th I, I, I usually recommend, you know, start out smaller so that you can grow. Okay. Um, if you already have a flock and you want to add chickens, you don't, it, it's best not to integrate just one chicken into your flock. Okay. Because the process of integration can be tough on chickens. Um, they have to work out their pecking order and everything. So if you just add one chicken to your flock, let's say you have a, an existing flock that's like five chickens and you're adding this one chicken, that chicken can have a really hard time trying to trying to integrate into that flock. Okay, it's better if you have two. Um, it would be better if you have three. The more that you can integrate, the better. Okay, into an existing flock. It, and of course, if you integrate ten chickens into a flock of four, then that's all. That also can be harder. But um, in general, you know, there's a process that you can follow. It is easy. 
And like I said before, I will leave that in the description for you. So, and you know, you might be thinking, okay, here's the number of chickens that I want to get. Can I have this many birds comfortably in the space that I have? So my rule of thumb, and this is, this is pretty standard across backyard chicken circles, aim for at least four square feet of space per standard size chicken inside the coop. Okay. Outside the coop in their run, if you're going to keep them in an enclosed run, I would aim for at least 10 square feet of space per standard size chicken. Okay. Now, that is not a hard and fast rule. You can get away with less than that inside of the coop. In the run, I wouldn't suggest going less than 10 square feet per standard size chicken. But in your coop, you might be able to get away with less than that. If they have covered space outside of their coop where they can easily get away from the elements, okay? So they're not being rained on. There's not like a bunch of wind, um, you know. um, It's not like they don't have any shade or anything like that. And the only place where they can get away from the elements is inside the coop. Um, If their coop is the only shelter that they have, then you definitely want as much space as possible, at least four square feet of space per standard size size chicken. If they have other places outside of their coop and they're basically only using their coop just to roost in, and a lot of flocks are like that, you know, they might have a smaller coop. And the only reason they go up into their coop is just to sleep there. Then you can get away with uh, less room, but you need to have additional space outside of their coop where they can feel comfortable and hang out during the day and get away from the elements, even if it's like, raining really hard, snowing really hard, or if it's very hot. Okay. And if you are saying to yourself, gosh, you know, I only have the minimum amount of space for my chickens and, you know, maybe I shouldn't get chickens because I have a small yard and, um, I'd like to see them free range. I'd like to see them have more space. Uh, What I would say to anybody that's feeling like that is don't feel guilty. Like your chickens, if if you're keeping chickens in your background, in your backyard, and they have what I, you know, suggested is the minimum amount of space, that chicken has more space to live in and peck and scratch in and have their treats and lay their eggs and live their life than more, most chickens in the world. Okay, because most chickens in the world live in factory farms. And that is a terrible condition for chickens to live in. So I, you know, I just want to kind of bring that reality into it because I think some people will say, you know, I feel guilty keeping my chickens in an enclosed run. I feel guilty having them in my small backyard. Or other people will will be judgmental about it. They'll be like, you don't have enough space. You know, 10 square feet of space per standard size chicken is not enough. And it's like, you know, my goal is to get chickens out of factory farms. And I think that a chicken can live a great life in that amount of space, especially when they have enrichment in their space and they're being cared for. Okay, so it's always good to have that perspective and remember that your chickens are going to be lucky. Like (laughs) if you're if you're if you're over here right now watching this or listening to this podcast You've got lucky chickens. I know that for sure. Okay. So just remember that. Okay. So what are the three most important things to keep in mind when ordering chickens? 
Okay, this is a really important one. I just I just recorded a podcast with Mother Earth News uh, yesterday where we dedicated the whole podcast to this because it is very important that you understand that you need to get chickens that are hardy for the climate in your area, okay? Um, at, at least for your first flock. Like I have all kinds of special needs chickens and stuff, and so I have to make a lot of adjustments for that. Uh, that I wouldn't need to make if I just had a regular flock of chickens. I live in a mild area, but if if you live in a in a place where it's like negative forty for extended periods of time, like that is an extreme climate, and I'm sure you know that. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that that's the surface of Mars. Okay, it's cold. Um, so you want to, in that case, especially for your first flock, to make sure that you're getting cold hardy chickens. Okay, um, if you live in a super hot climate where it's getting into the hundreds, you know, even like the 90s for, is, is hard for some chickens. Like, but once it starts to get up into the hundreds, it's like it can get dangerous and it's better for you to have the kind of breeds that are known to do well in those areas. And, you know, information about whether or not this, the breed that you want, um, you know, whether or not it's cold or heat hardy, that is very easy to find. Um, in fact, if you are, if you're online and you're looking on a website and you're ordering chicks, like if you're purchasing uh, chickens online, that information should be there. And if it's not there, you probably don't want to go with that hatchery. Like they will say this chicken is cold hardy, this chicken is heat hardy that they want you to get the right chickens for where you live, okay? If you're getting baby chicks from a farm store, um, generally the ones that they have available in your area are going to be, you know, good for your area. Now, that is a very general rule. It's not an absolute. Um, so definitely you'll want to double check and make sure that the breeds that you're looking at are good for the climate in your area. And I wouldn't necessarily just like trust what the store clerk says. And I'm not, that's not a, a, you know, I'm not trying to put store clerks down, but sometimes they just don't know. Um, and so I would just make sure and double check that, uh, because you don't want to end up in a situation where it's stressful, you know, it's like stressful for you to get through the winter. Um, you know, the summer is more stressful than you want it to be. You want it to be easy, especially for your first flock. Okay. Another very important thing that you want to know before you buy, uh, especially your first flock, are the chickens that you're getting, have they been sexed? Okay. And what that means is, have they been separated by male and female? Um, this is very important information. Okay. Um, because a lot, sometimes you will find, as you know, if you go to the farm store or if you're ordering online, you'll see that, you know, the chicks that you're buying, are, are, it says that they are straight run, okay? So if it says straight run, that means that they have not been divided by sex, okay? It means that you will end up with roosters. Like it is way more likely that you will end up with roosters and probably want more than one than you would otherwise, okay? So depending on where you live, that can be a real problem, all right? And even if you live in an area where you can have roosters. Um, you could end up with too many, and then you and then you have another problem because that's going to stress out your flock. It's going to stress out your hens. So, especially for your first flock, depending depending on the type of chicken person that you are, because some people they will 
say, you know, they go into it and they say, I have a plan for roosters, you know, and if I get five or 10 roosters, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And this is my humane plan to deal with that. Um, but a lot of people aren't like that. Okay. Um, so for your first flock, I would recommend that you get pullets. Okay. P-U-L-L-E-T-S. And that means a female chicken that has not started laying yet. That's what that word means. Okay. And I would recommend you getting female chickens. Okay. But even so, okay, this is the last very important thing to look for. Make a plan for roosters. Okay. Roosters happen. Even if the chickens are sexed, they came from a hatchery and the hatchery said these are going to be pullets. If they're not, if the chickens are not, um, you know, able to be sexed just by looking at them at, at when they hatch, because there are some breeds that are like that, then there is, there are likely to be mistakes. Okay. Not always like it's, it's, it's not like you're guaranteed to get a rooster, but you need to have a plan because their method of sexing the chickens is not foolproof. Okay. So it's probably, you know, 95% foolproof. All right. And if you get bantams, they very likely have not been sexed. That bantams are almost always sold as straight run. Okay. So this is really important for you to know. You need to have a plan if you get roosters. I see roosters getting dumped every year. And that's that's hard. That's hard for me to, to witness. Um, you know, even roosters that are there's some roosters that, you know, they're more wild, um, but domestic chickens in general, it's, it's, it can be very tough for them. And especially like layer breeds that aren't very wild. They're very domesticated. They don't do well when they get dumped out in the woods. They're just there to be someone's food. Okay. So, um, and that can be, that would be a stressful experience. So my, my main thing is like, whatever you do, make sure it's humane. And, uh, you know, there's people out there that if you got your vegan friend that lives on a farm, you you can say, well, you take a rooster if I have one. But these are the questions that you need to ask before you go out and get your first flock. Okay. All right. I am now going to open up the chat for questions. The Nature Kid asks, how long do roosters stay aggressive for? Uh, Well, the quick answer to that is it depends on the rooster. Um, there is some truth to the idea that the first year of a a young rooster's life is probably going to be their most nasty year. (laughs) Um, they're very, you know, their hormones are raging. Um, they can get really aggressive. They can act crazy. Like I had, you know, I have my two young roosters that were hatched out in the spring and they're brothers and they have gotten along very, very well and being raised together and they're docile breeds. They're not like fighting breeds or anything like that. So I had anticipated that they would do very well together. Um, and then when we had the really bad snowstorm up here and I say snow, but it was like an ice storm, you know, they were, they were cooped up together. They got, they probably got bored. They were getting frustrated. Their hormones were raging and all of a sudden they started to fight. And, I was actually really shocked by that because these are very docile chickens. Like I can hold them and everything. Um, I did, uh, I separated them for one day and I did use flower rim essences. Um, 
it's, it's something called flower essences. I do talk about it in my book. I used one for rude roosters, and I think that's vine. I think it's vine is the one that I used, and I talk about that in another podcast. I'll link that in the show notes for you. And that seemed to have done the trick. Like, I, I, I can't tell you that it will work, you know, absolutely. But that actually did the trick because it's like it's for just like overbearingness and, um, uh, you know, the kind of that aggressive, like being super rude, being overbearing. And one of my roosters was acting like that. So I gave him the remedy and then he, he, it fixed him up. He was good. <laughs> and now they're pecking and scratching together again. So that was a success story. But, you know, I always say have a have a contingency plan because there's a lot of stories that aren't success stories when it comes to roosters. Uh, there can be a rooster that just never calms down. There can be one, you know, if you have like a big rooster and it's attacking you or attacking your kids every time you walk into the chicken yard, that is a difficult situation. And in some cases, it could be a dangerous situation. So I would never fault somebody for rehoming a rooster or for doing whatever they needed to do as long as it's humane um, because it is a difficult situation. And it it certainly makes me sad. Like, I'd love to see every rooster have a home. But the nature of the flock is that, you know, there can be an imbalance if you have too many roosters. And so we do need to have a plan for that. Um, but I, I would say in general, like if you can wait it out after the first year to see if they calm down a little bit, then that's an option. And then there's some people that are like, you, hey, you know, if you pick up your rooster and carry him around all the time, he's going to be, you know, he'll calm down and he'll be great. And there does seem to be like r- rooster whisperers that, <laughs> that can tame any rooster. I have a friend that's like that. She can literally tame any rooster. I challenge her to tame Philippe, my <laughs> my rooster Philippe, who I will say has started to attack me again. And and I never thought I'd say this, but I'm super glad that he is because it just says that he's been feeling a little bit better. So many of you know he's been sick, but um he's doing he's doing a little bit better. But yeah, I would I would give it a year and then if they don't calm down after a year, that's probably how they're gonna be for the rest of their lives. You know, unless until they get like really old and then they may calm down. Uh, Christy asks, uh, about how much grit and oyster shell will chickens eat? Can they eat too much? That has not been my experience that they will eat too much, especially grit. Um, they, and, and oyster shell too. Uh, they seem to have a a natural ability to know how much they need. Um, I will say that chickens that are in an enclosed space are more likely to eat more of anything that is offered to them. So there have been cases where if a chicken is free range, it can discern better how much of something that it needs and whether or not to eat a certain plant or substance. Um, they seem to be have more of that instinct alive in them, but chickens that are in more of an enclosed space, sometimes they will eat what is offered to them, even if it's something that they're not supposed to eat. Not always, but uh, in general, I would be more mindful if they were in an enclosed space. But I would just do, you know, a sprinkling of grit every few days. I I am not a measurer. I'm not like, I you know, when I was writing the book, they were like, you need to say like exactly how much. <laughs> it's just like, but we're trying to get away from that. We're trying to like, you know, like go with our instincts and guts here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it turned out okay. Uh, so 
I, I leave a, I make sure that the dish of oyster shell is always available to them. And they seem to go and eat as much as they need. Sometimes people will be like, they're not eating it, but they are, you know, they're eating it when you're not looking or, um, they're just not eating. They're not just sitting there eating a lot of it because they don't need a lot of it. You know, they just, they know when they need it and they seem to get it when they need it. And then I've never seen like my rooster eating it because he doesn't need it. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Make sure, you know, what you can do is just leave it, uh, have it available to them all the time. You know, um, for the grit, you can have a dish that is available to them and they will eat as much of it as they need. They know, you know, they, they have that instinct. The grit goes into their gizzard and that's what helps digest their feed. And they, they know that from the beginning, They'll, they will eat it from the beginning. Uh, little baby chicks. Okay. So I would just make sure that it's available and not worry too much about exactly how much they're eating it. Okay. CC Clark asks, uh, my chickens quit laying. When will they start laying again? I give them lots of mealworms and sardines. Uh, their feathers are silky. So it is not about, you know, some people will say, well, you can feed this to your chickens and they will start laying, but it's more about the uh, number of hours that they have of light in a 24-hour period. That is what will dictate whether or not they are laying. Of course, they need the proper nutrition to lay properly, okay? But it's not like you can give them a supplement or something to get them to start laying. What you need to pay attention to is how much light they have. So they will start laying when the days start to get longer. And I can't remember, gosh, I'm just, you know, after doing, talking for an hour, my brain kind of turns to mush. I think they need about 12 hours of daylight to kick in that ovulation cycle for them so that they will start laying. There are some chickens that they just don't, they will lay through the winter. There are those chickens. Okay. But that is the exception, not the rule. Usually they will take a break when the days are short and they'll start laying. And I, you know, pretty soon they'll start laying again because the days, the days are already starting to get a little bit longer. So once they hit that threshold, they'll, you, you will have lots of eggs. Okay. So it's probably not, it's not the malt right now. You know, chickens will stop. When they are molting, usually it is healthy for them to stop when they are molting because that's very hard work for chickens. Um, takes a lot of nutritional value for them to build new feathers. And then they will stop whenever the days are short. So you should expect some eggs very soon. Okay, right now I'm eating frozen eggs because my chickens, they, they did stop for a little while. Although my one duck, my duck Walter, you know, she's my big... I don't know why her name is Walter. I did not name her. She came to me with that name. Uh, <laughs> she's like this big duck that I have. And um, she lays a huge egg almost every single day. And that's what I have every morning for breakfast. And it is like, it is perfection. <laughs> okay. Missy uh, Bowles asks, I'm expecting new, I'm an expecting new chicken mom. <laughs> I like that. Uh <laughs> Any tips on coops, pre-made or build your own? I ordered six chicks for May. Oh, very exciting. Very exciting. So here's, here's what I suggest, whether or not you're buying or building. Okay. I think in general, it's, it's better to build because um, if you get a prefabricated coop, usually it's going to need some reinforcements. Like you're going to have to uh, fix it up a little bit before it's like optimum. Depending, depending on what you go with, 
if you have it built, then you can be very intentional about how it gets built, about the materials that are used. I think one of the main things is you're going to want to make sure that it's easy to clean. I, you know, I have back pain and other kinds of pain. And so for me to be just kneeling down and bent over and all contorted, trying to clean out a chicken coop is tough. Like that is tough. Um, And especially if you have you know, anything going on with your health or anything, you know, if you're older, uh, if you got a new baby, uh, stuff like that, you want it to be very user-friendly. Okay. So think about it when you're buying it, think about, okay, how am I going to clean this? Like, can I stand upright and walk into the coop and clean it? Or can I stand upright and clean this coop out from the, from the back? Like sometimes they'll have like a slide out tray that you can clean. You can open it up from the back and clean it out that way. Okay. So definitely think about that. Uh, obviously you're going to want to think about space, you know, the right amount of space. And then you want to be able to easily access the roosts and the nesting boxes. Okay. Obviously you want to be able to access the nesting boxes because you want to be able to get the eggs and it's great. Like there's some coops where you can uh, open the nesting boxes from the outside Um, And that's very handy. You just want to make sure it's predator proof that nothing else can open the nesting boxes from the outside and get your chickens or eggs. And also, you know, you want to be able to access the roost when you want to because chickens are the easiest to handle when they are on the roost at night. Okay. So if you have a flock of chickens and you have one that is just nuts, it's like, it's like you cannot catch this chicken And you notice that there's something going on with it. Like maybe its toe is bleeding or something like that. And you're like, I need, I really need to get this chicken and look it over and make sure it's okay. But there's no way you're going to catch this wild chicken during the day. So what you do in that case is you wait until this chicken goes to roost at night and then you pluck it off the roost, get yourself a nice headlamp, pluck it off the roost so you can look it over. And, you know, if you need to treat them for mites or lice or or anything, if you want to look you know, make sure that there are, are, that they are all healthy. It's great to do that when they are on the roost because they are kind of in this like comatose state almost during that time. And they're much easier to handle. Um, and obviously you don't want there to be anywhere in the coop that you can't access because if a chicken is sick, if a chicken is broody or if a chicken is going to die, it might go into a, a place where you can't access to it, access it. And, you know, then you have a dead chicken or you have a sick chicken that you can't get to, or you have a chicken that's sitting on 14 eggs and and you can't get to it to get the eggs out from under it because you don't want to have 14 baby chicks. Okay. Uh, Maybe you do, but (laughs) that can be an emergency situation sometimes. So those those are my tips, you know, Um, obviously predator proof, a predator proof coop is good. You want to be it to be you want to be able to close it up really well at night and think about it this way. If a two-year-old could get into the coop, a raccoon can because raccoons are really smart and they're stronger than two-year-olds. Okay. If there is a chicken wire, I got to say it's not real strong. Like there's a lot of predators can, that can get through it. Hardwire mesh is a better choice. Hard, hardwire mesh. Yes. Hardware mesh. I always say that wrong. <laughs> Hardware mesh is a better choice 
But if you can't afford that, you can double up the chicken wire at the very least. Okay? So those are the things that I say, whether or not you're buying or building a coop, keep those things in mind. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you to my moderator and my co-producer, Kelsey Paulus. I don't know if she was here today. I don't know if she was here today. She's the Chickenlandia presidential advisor, but she does help me produce these uh, videos and uh, she's my trusty sidekick. So very much appreciate her. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to... Give it a thumbs up if you're up here, if you're here um, on YouTube. If you are listening to it on one of the podcast apps, it really helps, especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, If you can rate and review it, that really, really helps me. So I really appreciate it when that happens. But regardless, there's one thing that I really want you guys to remember, and that is that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.